You're listening to The Parking Podcast. Views and opinions are my own. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. With us today is Hal King, friend and mentor, and actually uh, taught me pretty much everything I know in the industry, but we'll get to that in a moment, in a moment, who is now the parking manager for the city of Lansing, Michigan. How are you doing today, Hal? Doing pretty good so far. I should be so good. I'll be continued on to somebody else. So <laughs> You go from the sunny Florida to snowy Michigan. What's that change been like? Well, it's not that bad considering the, you know, the situation. I, I worked in Springfield, Massachusetts. I worked in Albany, New York. I was born and raised in Milwaukee, so I'm not that far away from where I was born. I've I've been in the snow and the cold before. It doesn't bother me all that much. All right. Yeah. So this is uh, uh, nothing new to you. This is what you're used to. So you have some serious on-street management experience. And I say that because, as I mentioned, I uh, started working with you in the on-street at Springfield, Massachusetts. But first, let our listeners uh, know how you got started. How did you gain that crucial uh, field experience of on-street parking management? Because anytime I've had a question about how to deal with the adjudication or a parking enforcement issue or something with a stakeholder, you've been my first call. So uh, how'd you get all that on-street management municipal experience? Well, I started in Milwaukee back in September of 84 as a parking meter supervisor for the city. And I did that for 14 years. So that, you know, that gives you a little, little experience. After that, I spent six months on a contract job collecting parking meters for the city of Chicago. I worked six years for the city of Evanston as their parking enforcement supervisor. Then uh, worked another contract position in Louisville, Kentucky for uh, Lanier Parking. After that, I was the executive director for the Springfield, Massachusetts Parking Authority, where we met up and took over the on-street operations from the city. After five years of working there, I went to the Albany, New York Parking Authority, where again, took over the on-street operations from the city. It, it gets to be a broken record sometimes. Four more years pass, and then I'm in Hollywood, Florida, as the parking administrator for the city, handling you know bat- meters and enforcement again, along with just about everything else in parking down there. And so now I'm in Lansing, Michigan. I'm the parking manager here, and we're doing all the enforcement and all the meters and all the garages and everything else. It's like Michael Corleone, just when I thought I was out. <laughs> they keep bringing again. you back. <laughs> <laughs> I love that reference. Uh, yeah, and I know you have... You've had some experience with garages in Albany and Springfield, but I know your heart is in the the on-street. Tell us what you love about uh, on-street parking. Well, the biggest thing with on-street parking is there are so many different facets to the on-street work. You have single-space meters. You have pay stations. You have meter collections. You have the regular parking signs. You have temporary no parking signs. Uh, enforcement, which I mean, just goes crazy all the time. I, I mean, I've been here two weeks and we've already had a couple of issues with parking enforcement and it's usually not our staff. It comes back to somebody who was trying to get out of a ticket as per usual. So, but, uh, you know, we've dealt with parking permits of all types, mobile LPR, which is license plate recognition for those of you who don't speak parking. You know, and even just painting painting parking stalls, and just to name you know a few items in there, there's probably things that I missed for you know, just haven't thought about it in a while. But you know, and, and while your normal off street customer usually has very few complaints because they're pulling into a garage, they know what to expect. They're going to pull a ticket. They're going to pay their ticket when when they leave, either at a cashier or a pay on foot station, and that takes care of that. Your normal on-street customer dislikes paying to park, 
in any manner whatsoever, and we'll tell you that in excruciating detail. And we'll point at signs that aren't even close to their car and say, well, what you know, what's that sign got to do with it? It has nothing to do with it. So no parking sign that your car is parked under. That's what but that's why you got the ticket. So it's just it's it's a strange thing, but there's so many different ways to deal with it and so many different things to deal with that it just becomes it just becomes crazy. But it's it's a it's a fun gig sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know. I like that as well. I went from banking where you know it was the same thing every day, and then on street it seems like it's problem solving every day. There's kind of a new challenge or fire or solution and um i love that part of it have you ever how have you i know you got a lot of on-street experience but have you ever seen transition from not paid parking to paid parking even if it was a section of town and talk about kind of the difference where there were no meters before and then what happened after the paid parking went in effect well i mean going from going from unpaid to paid you don't see that much anymore because you don't really see a lot of places going going unpaid. If they're if they're successful, they've probably got a paid parking program in some way, shape, or form. Although I have done it in a couple of places in Springfield when we both worked there. I I bought some meters. It was funnier than heck because the main street in Springfield's downtown, which is literally called Main Street, had no meters when we got there, but all the side streets had meters. So where the heck did you think everybody was going to park? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where it's free. That's where I'm going to park my car. So then we had to go out and buy brand new electronic meters. Uh, we got decorative poles because they had just spent a ton of money on a, on a ref refurbishing of the main street sidewalks and everything else. They put in the decorative light poles. So we bought decorative meter poles to match the fluted light poles that they had. And we installed the meters, the signs, and the striping, everything on a Sunday morning. And we had probably a half a dozen uh, business owners cheering us on uh, because they knew that, you know, it was it was their employees that were parking there all day long. So it was it was funny. We also introduced uh, mobile LPR when we got to enforcement over there. And I mean, the fun the funniest thing is when you go from the from the unpaid to the paid is usually, like I said, it's the business owners. The business owners come out and they say, you know, what are my employees supposed to do? I had, I had one lady who came to me in Hollywood when we put the meters back in downtown Hollywood. She's like, what am I supposed to do? It's bad enough I have to let my employees go out every three hours to move their cars. You're just not getting it. It's not about just moving your car. It's, you know, if your customers show up and they don't have a place to park, they're going to go someplace else. Then the next phone call you make is to the city saying, how come you know, you're not doing anything about this? They said, well, first thing we could do is work with you to get your employees out of there. Oh, that's not my problem. Yeah, it is. If you, wanted, if you want to be a successful business, turnover of parking spaces is your problem. You know, once you get turnover to occur, businesses don't complain as much. And of course, the, the big thing is you're going to get the random customer that comes out and say, you're going to kill the business and nobody will ever come down here again. I'll give you a perfect example. When we worked and put the meters back in downtown Hollywood, in yep. nine months, we made $700,000. Mm. We didn't kill, we didn't kill much for that 700,000. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> That's pretty good for killing a business. Oh yeah. I remember, uh, I was going to talk about Springfield, so I'm glad you brought up all those improvements and 
And this was LPR in like 2008, maybe. So this was before, you know, it was common to have mobile LPR. We were uh, early adopters to that, using it for scofflaw, chalking and all that. But I remember there was a pizza place that had like eight delivery drivers that parked right in front of the pizza place. And we put in the meters on Main Street. And next thing you know, there's all these open spots for people to come in, grab a slice. But then they figured out if you had an accessible parking placard, we wouldn't ticket you uh, because in, in Massachusetts, it was free parking uh, for accessible placards at the meter. So next thing you know, the seven delivery drivers all had accessible parking placards from their aunts and <laughs> uncles and grandpas. And so we had a, there was a way to report accessible parking placard abuse uh, through the governor, government website. We did all that and got the police involved and were able to fix it. But I just love when you, when you put it in, you see the the night and day difference. And, and I also love, you know, there are ways and I don't know, you've done this and we've done this, um, you know, to find solutions because sometimes there's limited parking for those hourly employees that are trying to move their car every two hours. Maybe we find a lot that's two blocks away that we permit for, you know, employee parking where they can register through the city and have a place, or maybe it's the roof of a garage where they, they have a half price monthly contract parking uh, for the, you know, some of the hospitality workers that maybe can't afford the the full max uh, monthly parking rate or aren't working every day. They work three days a week. They make minimum wage. So finding solutions to put those employees that are parking there every day in a safe and accessible spot to free up that turnover, to free up the spaces for the customers. So that's right on. So uh, now you're in Lansing. Um, let's talk about, you talked about them a minute ago, but What's parking look like in Lansing? What are you excited about? What keeps you up at night in your first two or three weeks there in Lansing? Well, the big thing is parking down here is an issue for different reasons than normal, since normal doesn't seem to be a thing anymore, unfortunately, you know, with the pandemic and such. As the capital city, Lansing has, or had, I should say, uh, a significant amount of state government workers that drove the economy and they drove into the city on a regular basis. So we have numerous garages here that not only belong to the city but belong to the state we have a number of uh, parking lots and such and uh, they're being underutilized and so right now we're looking at the possibility of converting them to green space or possibly selling some of some of these properties off i mean this is this is an issue that's not just a lansing problem either i've talked with a number of our peers both at uh, IPMI and at state and regional associations, talking on Zoom calls as we do CAP meetings and things like this. And it's it's been pretty much in agreement that we're still lagging behind previous revenues by a large margin. And unfortunately, much of our industry is reliant on people driving and we we've got one group we were talking about it today in a in a meeting where it was the community uh, Department of Community Health. And the first week of March back in 2020, when this, when this whole thing broke loose, they were, they were packing up their stuff and going home. And one of the guys said, well, when are you coming mm. back? He said, never. Mm. <laughs> and that's when you worry about it. When the health people say they're not coming back, you've got a problem. But, you know, in our, in our situation, like I said, it, it's our problem because we, we basically, we created this. We created the business model that has a heavy reliance on single occupancy vehicle trips. And, you know, while 
we like to have the money. You don't want to subsidize that type of thing, no matter what you do. So now it's going to be a very difficult situation. The pandemic has exposed a very large flaw in our business plan. And it's really up to us as an industry to consider something for a solution. But what, I don't know. I mean, the biggest thing that I'm looking at right now is converting some of these properties or, you know, working with developers, commercial business, real estate developers, you know, guys that are out there doing this on a regular basis and saying, you know, can we turn this flat land into green space or does somebody want to build something on top of it? There's plenty of parking nearby, but we can't continually have everything just be parking. It's got to be, it's got to be something else. And we're learning that the hard way. I mean, we've got, we've got significant lack of lack of use in our garages down here right now. We're probably looking at maybe 50% occupancy at best. Mm, and that seems to be pretty uh, common after COVID for a lot of cities with the remote hybrid working, like the other factors that you talked about. I know another thing is I'm a big Michigan fan. So I know you got Michigan State. Do you deal with anything with Michigan State students or is I'm not sure is downtown Lansing pretty much really heavily influenced by Michigan State or is that outside of the heart of downtown? It's really it's outside of the heart of the city, so it, it doesn't really get to us. There's more there's more being done in East Lansing with them. But even there they had the same issue. There were a lot of students and a lot of classes that weren't coming to school, period. And a lot of them still have not come back. If there's a way to do this online, people are are not, again, going back to the meeting that we had this morning, one of the guys, one of the guys showed up late and he said, I was, I was amazed that we were doing this in person. And, you know, yeah. he just, he, he wasn't used to it. Everybody's been doing meetings on Zoom. And even, even since now, you know, I mean, I've been vaccinated and boosterized so many times for God's sake feel like I've been jackhammered, but, uh, you know, and I travel a lot overseas and you're not going to be able to get into some of these countries in mm -hmm. Europe if you're not completely vaccinated. But people now are even, even with that, they're still walking around with masks on and everything else and they're just not taking the chance. And so, you know, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, what we depend on is not going to be happening for a long time to come, if that, if it ever comes back at that at that level, so we really need to consider what we're going to do, and you know how we're gonna how we're gonna survive this thing. Yeah, that's interesting. How because I'm looking for work right now, applying for jobs, and I mean I don't think I've seen kind of an in office job yet. You know, executive positions, and they're all remote you know, must be able to travel, but work from home. So it's, yeah, my, my, it's, my it's daughter, uh, was looking for, was looking for work in, in Austria. Uh, she lives over there. She'd been living over there now about 14 years and she had left her other job because she wasn't comfortable with going into work on a regular basis. And she made part of her, part of her, uh, job description more or less. as she was talking with these interviewers and everything. If you think I'm coming into work, you're, you're wrong. I'm happy to do the work. I'm happy to do anything that I can. You know, I'll take the time. I'll work the weekends or weeknights or whatever I have to do, but I'm not getting in a car or getting on a bus or getting in the subway and coming in physically to interact with people because it's just not safe. 
Yeah. And I was, again, you know, I want to support the parking industry and people parking in downtowns, but I was, I was shocked by how much we wasted energy uh, emissions and all that to have, you know, I work in the, let me start a little bit. So I work in the municipal division, as you know, but anytime, you know, a city is looking for a new parking operator or solution or technology, they typically have a pre-bid meeting where pre-RFP meeting where all the vendors will come, you know, the purchasing agent will read stuff about the RFP, answer a few questions, and then we all go home. So we fly out a day to come in for that 20, 30 minute meeting and fly out. And then, you know, they'll review the proposals and then they'll call some in for interviews and then we'll fly all across the country to go for our one hour pitch, answer questions, do our PowerPoint, fly out. And then when COVID happened, of course, it just, you know, we kind of knew we've always had the technology, but it was like, I was asking, I was talking to Gary Means, like, why, this is so silly. Why didn't we always do this? It's, you know, we're how much gasoline and and money you're making vendors and operators spend to fly across the country for a 20 minute meeting that can easily be done by teams. Now the good ones I, are going to come. Actually, they, they, yeah, they want to see the operations. They want to take pictures of the garages and see what technology you're using. And, and uh, those that want to come can come, but some of the stuff is just like, man, you, we could, we could do it. Gary had a great point though. He said, Isaiah also though, a lot of us care about our downtowns are on the downtown, uh, you know, Main Street committees, Main Street associations, where we want our vendors coming in so that they stay, spend the night in our downtown hotels. They they eat breakfast and dinner at our our downtown businesses, so they're bringing in the money. So th- there's two sides of it. So I w- it was interesting to hear, and then of course parking in the garages. So I don't know, man. It's so it's so tough. You see both sides of it, and it'd be interesting how this plays out. I did see one job that said like. Um, Remote, but must be willing to come into the office by 2024. I just thought that was funny, but um, maybe we'll see some more of that in, in the job ads. But uh, pardon me here. How, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to mention that, you know, you, you brought up about flying out for these short, short meetings. I literally back in the uh, mid nineties was interviewing out for a university job in the Northwest. And I was living in the Chicago area at the time. And you know, they said, can you come out for an interview? I said, well, yeah, I could, but why? I mean, you know, I know where you're at and this is going to cost at that time, you know, like I said, the mid nineties, it's going to cost you $1,100 for me to do this, to get a, get a flight there and do a turnaround and everything else. There's, you know, there's plenty of places at that time. I think Kinko's and a few other ones were just starting to do the, you know, online, online uh, interviewing and everything like that. It's a, they can set it up. We can do this over over a screen, and everybody can be happy, and you save yourself a lot. Oh no, 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 no! We want you to come out, and they and they thought they could find it cheaper, and they guess what? They didn't. In fact, <laughs> I wound up I wound up paying for it with a check, and then they had to cut me a check when I got there for for the interview. It was just hilarious. But I'm going. Why in the world would you want me to fly all these miles and pay all this money when, you know, we can aim a camera at each other's faces and just do it like this? And now, of course, you know, it's it's a regular thing. And you know, I, I actually, I think I have three microphones on my desk. It's it's ridiculous. I, between this and cameras, I've got I've got more stuff going on here than NBC. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm speaking to the microphone, looking at a webcam with headphones on, but um 
I think every house in America has that because they had to for schools, for their kids and for work. And so it's a lot easier now for sure. This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker's solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. Right before you joined the board, the CAP board, which we'll talk about, it used to be fly all over the country, attend these seminars in Palm Springs and very expensive places, um, and then fly somewhere to take an exam in person, written, and uh, have a proctor. And it's very uh, not very inclusive. It wasn't you know some a lot of parking professionals that didn't have the the in their budgets for the training couldn't afford it. So. We switched before COVID to the online, take the CAP exam. You can study on your own. And uh, that was a big change for CAP. And now we've been able to grow our CAP professionals and um, kind of a segue into now, you know, you're with the CAP board. Congratulations. You are now the chair of the CAP board. Uh, Maybe talk about when you got CAP and what that experience meant to you. Well, I I think the the one of the big things, and you mentioned that, is the travel that was involved with it when when it first started out. I mean, I started in the early '90s. I think it was 1992 that I flew out to uh, Boston for the uh, parking and the media seminar, and I had done some other uh, done some other seminars. Obviously, when I went at that time. The big thing was going to the uh, IPMI conference or IPI conference at the time. Actually, I go back to when it was IMPC, so uh, nini, nini, ha, ha. But um, (laughs) the the thing was, like you said, it was very expensive. It was was time-consuming, and it was very hard to get that type of monetary expenditure done through a municipality especially. And many, many of my classes and travels uh, were never paid for by the city I worked for. And it came out of my own pocket. Matter of fact, the when I got my when I got my uh, cap certification, that was the only time that I'd actually ever had one of my one of my employers pay for my time to go out and actually do that. And that was when I was in Springfield. But I think mm. I think the the. Classes and the certification have gotten me where I am for about the past 20 years. And my experience in Milwaukee was very important, and my experience in, in Evanston was very important. But it's very limited to the on-street you know, sections. So you were either dealing with meters or you were dealing with citations and enforcement, and that was it. So I didn't know anything about a revenue bond or a general obligation bond. or you know, I knew James Bond, and that's about it. Uh, I didn't know parking garage maintenance. I didn't, you know, <laughs> at that time, I didn't know about dealing with the media. Yeah. It was actually funny because later on, when we, you know, talked about it, we went to we went to one of those seminars together later on, and you know, it was it was funnier than heck because I disagreed with the with the folks that came up because we had a situation happen in um, in Springfield where basically one of the local TV stations was trying to make a story out of whole cloth because they had nothing better to do. 
And they came to us and called me up and said, Hey, you know, can we shoot something with you out in front of your office? I said, no. Yep. And, and they just, they went ahead with the story and it was one of the things that like 20 after five that nobody watched and mm. it just, it died a horrible death. And when I brought it up to one of these folks that was doing the training for the media course, they said, Oh, you've, you know, you've got to, you've got to help these people out anytime that you can. It's a great thing for you to do. I said, listen, you're on the other side of the microphone. So you've got a, you've got a vested interest in this. I don't have a vested interest in telling these people come on over here and make a monkey out of me. And, you know, if, if we needed them, that's fine and happy to do it. But sometimes you just say, no, we're not yep. going to help you make us look foolish. And, you know, I mean, that helped us out a lot, but I mean, in trying for what we're talking about, like right now for you in trying for different positions and everything else, my limited parking knowledge at the time when I first started doing it limited my job search results because if I didn't have the experience in dealing with some of these things, they weren't going to hire me. And so luckily, this was a way to, in effect, have the experience level that I needed in order to get some of these positions. So it got me on an equal footing with other candidates. And I think nowadays, if you look, especially, you know, you're in the situation that, that I was in just a few weeks ago, you look at, uh, you know, the, the job ads that are coming out, it's almost expected that you have some certification when you apply for a parking management position. It's, yep. just, it's not going to be something that you're going to get if you don't have, if you don't have the knowledge and the experience. And this is the easiest way to, I think, get at least the, you know, the knowledge. Not everybody's going to have the experience, but you know, the knowledge will give you a, a leg up on some of your competition. Yeah, well, I'm seeing it again. I'm looking for jobs. I've seen it several times. I love that. Uh, uh, also, RFPs, so cities looking for um, you know parking management companies or technology. They want the project manager or the operations manager to be CAP certified. So we're seeing a lot of that, but. Well, even if yeah. you look at the uh, the ParkSmart program that IPMI does, you can get credits for, you know, the the certification for the ParkSmart energy saving program if you've got if you've got a cap who's a manager. Yep, and the APO as well, uh, accredited parking organization. If you have cap manager, so it's funny how it's how it kind of started small and now it's just the premier certification in the industry, and it's. It's touching so many different components of the operations as we, as we wanted it to. So, um, anything else about the the cap board? Kind of uh, anything going on, or anything you would say to people interested in cap? You know, as we come up, as we're starting kicking off 2023. Well, I think you know uh, we've just finished updating some of the questions on the exam through our item writing process. The, also, there was an update done to the CAP Candidate Handbook, which is now available out on the uh, IPMI website. So if anybody's considering going out for, for the CAP, I would if you've, if you've got the handbook previously, I would say check out the new one. There's some other, there's some other items in there that are good. And finally, the, the way CAPs recertify is going to be different starting this year. Uh, we've streamlined the process, so it goes through the IPMI e-learning platform. So everybody will be able to log into that and keep track of what they have as far as points and such. And it, it, it makes it makes it a lot easier. I mean, I'm I'm the old school guy that kept all the, you know, kept all the conference guides 
in a in a box next to my desk, and so when it came time to do certification, I could go through each one of them, and I had checked off which seminars that I had actually attended, so that I wasn't going to you know tell somebody I went to one that I didn't go to. But I mean, I had them for uh, IPMI for all the conferences for the past three years. I had them for Florida Parking Association. I had them for a couple other ones that I had either done presentations on or something like that. Uh, one of the presentations that I did in front of the uh, city commission down in Hollywood was actually one of the things that I use as a um, as a as a point for doing a presentation in front of a in front of a group on parking. So, you know, it, it's all those it's all those different things. But you know, you try and put that together at the end of three years and try and remember all this stuff and which one did I do here and there and. It just it gets so crazy. I think this is going to be a, a a godsend for a lot of our folks that kind of wait till the last minute to put all this data together and send it in. So, yeah, you're, I just recertified, and you're you're exactly right. I I have my box of so for those of you who don't know, you have to recertify every three years, and you get points for attending conferences or listening to webinars or presenting. And we used to have to manually track that. Now, when you log in, if you buy a webinar, it automatically gives you the points and adds it to your profile. If you attend a conference, it automatically uh, you can scan when you uh, attend classes, and all these points automatically upload. So it was really easy. It's really cool development by the cat board. So congrats, Hal, to to you and the rest of the board for some of these changes that have been come along. So. Thank you so much for your service to CAP. Thank you for your mentorship over the year. I remember when I first started, you used to call me Proby. I don't know if you remember that. You have a lot of these fun sayings. You've said a few in the in the podcast. The uh, can't complain doesn't do me any good. Nobody listens. The stinks to you be you, pal. I'm saying that one. I don't know. You always had some, always has some good quirks and, and sayings. Do you know of any other off the top of your head that you like to say? Well, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of the things you've, you've got to laugh. You've got to laugh in his business because everybody else is, is going to make you cry or try <laughs> to make you cry. I yeah. mean, it's just, it's as simple as that. Like I said, we had, we had you know, a guy who, you know, this is my, like I said, my second week in this job and I've got people calling the mayor's office. Going, oh my God, here we go again. I, we used to joke about it in Louisville. Everybody knew Mayor Jerry. And, you know, you could just pick up the phone and automatically get a hold of him. And the next thing my phone would ring is like, here we go again. Okay. You know, like, like I happened to mention before, when we were talking about the on street versus the off street in Louisville, it was a little bit different because when we first came in, they had no experience with on street. They were used to the off street. And again, like I said, off street customers expect that, you know, they know what, what they're going to get. They're going to pull in, get a ticket go park in their parking space and come back. They'll pay the, pay the amount that's on the ticket and go on their merry way. And then there's the folks that park on the street, know that the sign is there and they're going to ignore it anyway, or they're not going to pay the meter and try and get away with it and this and that. And, you know, I'll, I'll chance it. We had one guy in Springfield who came in, literally my clerk showed him on this, on this computer screen, the photo of his truck, parked directly underneath the no parking sign. And he said, who do, who does the appeals? Oop. And he said, well, we have an attorney that comes in once a week and does that. I said, I'm going to file the appeal. Maybe I know the guy because he's an attorney too. I'm like, oh God, here we go. And he said, it it just never ends. You you yeah. The day you think you've heard everything 
in parking, especially for on street, is the day somebody else comes in with something totally different. Oh, a hundred percent. I remember. And what I used to do, Hal, and I probably shouldn't have done this, but now that I, I'm, I'm uh, out of the industry, technically, I, I'll, I'll share this. But I, for all my different operations and cities that I would manage, when I would get um, kind of hate mail. Uh, sometimes they're funny, you know, they would, in the memo field of their check, they would write bloodsuckers or mean, dirty stuff. I would get fake Christmas cards and they would, you know, I hope you get nothing but coal. I just have so many funny drawings, comics, when people send in their ticket payments or appeals, they would just leave these funny notes and I've just collected them. But it's like, I have a stack, I'm going to publish a book one day of uh, parking parking responses from the public because you're right there, there's everything every time you've seen it all there's there's something new so but like and you said and it's funny too because we used to try and save some of those but there got to be so many of them you know you put up a bulletin board next thing you know two weeks later you need a bigger bulletin board <laughs> exactly <laughs> it just doesn't just doesn't make an awful yeah. lot of sense and, and god forbid if you ever get something that says you know your officer was really nice that's a that's a lonely letter on a bulletin board because those don't come in very often and it's not yeah. it's not the issue with with the you know with the officer either. It's just that unless you're come unless you're being called because somebody's blocking your driveway or something like that, when we show up, nobody seems to be too happy about it. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, sometimes when at, in Springfield and Main Street, where we were putting in the meters on a Sunday, a lot of the business owners were, you know, they may not stand up in a council meeting or write a letter, but they'll secretly shake your hands like we're so happy. <laughs> We're so happy you guys are finally issuing parking tickets. We're so happy you're putting in meters. Um, so they're out there. And I think as uh, IPMI, Parking Matter, some of these initiatives they've done over the years have helped you know, spread our message and uh, hopefully get them more, some more fans out there that truly understand it. So uh, how we're running out of time. So when you're not improving the parking for City of Lansing, what do you like to do for fun? Well, I go to Austria at least twice a year. Uh, Austria is the one without the kangaroos, folks. So don't get, don't get mixed the, up. The land down under, right? Austria. Yeah. Okay. What did I just say? No kangaroos, no kangaroos. Uh, I go there twice a year to see my daughter and my grandson. Like I said, my daughter moved there about 14 years ago now. And I've been visiting at Christmas and my grandson's birthday ever since. Still can't speak a lick of German, but that doesn't stop me from using Duolingo, Babel, and Rosetta Stone. <laughs> I have yeah. I have more programs for for foreign languages. I I speak a foreign language usually, but it's 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 an expletive deleted that usually pops. Up. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I I did know that German is the national language in Austria because I met a a friend over Christmas break that's from Austria and got to know him well, a little bit about their culture and all that. But I also know you're a big Detroit Lion fan. As a fellow NFL Detroit Lion fan, I. Do appreciate yeah, okay, bub. that. I'm, I'm the guy with the Green Bay Packers emblem still on the <laughs> desk to this day. So as soon as, as soon as I came here and I pulled that out and put it on the desk, everybody went, oh, God. Oh, great. Here it goes. Yeah, so how's a Green Bay Packer fan? Oh, you'll love this, How I bought stock from Green Bay Packers. I am an owner of the Packers because I was so annoyed. I have some Packer friends that are part of the family. So anytime the Packers do beat the Lions, which hasn't been in a, in a long time, but I like to say, you know, I'm an owner of the Packers, so I don't mind it. That's how much <laughs> I don't like Packers fans. 
But uh, yeah, I, th- I thought about that a couple of times. Matter of fact, uh, years ago when I was working down in Louisville, there's a uh, Green Bay Packers bar down there. And one of the guys came in, he literally, he had sealed up in plastic. He had a uh, ticket for a, for a Green Bay Packers game. And I said, why didn't you just make a photocopy of that and go to the game? <laughs> you know, <it> <laughs> I, I guarantee you that ticket would have been a, it works a heck of a lot more doing doing it that way than anything you're going to get for uh, just looking at your looking at your ticket. I think Paul Horning was at that bar. So I can't remember the yes, he was the connection. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was there. I saw him there a couple of times. As a matter of fact, it was it was kind of funny because you're sitting there going, "Wow, you know, I remember when this guy was actually playing." So. And I had his autograph, and I gave it to my my brother-in-law uh, that was a Packers fan, but. All right, Hal. Well, thank you so much again. Um, uh, you've been a great resource for me. You've been a public servant for a lot of your cities and um, also with the CAP board giving back to the to the CAP community. So thank you for all that. And um, thank you for joining the show. Have a great week. All right, sir. I'm glad to be with you. And it's always, always good to be here with my probie one more time. <laughs> all right, boss. Have a good one. Bye. All right. This episode is brought to you by Tez Technology. Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez Solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. I happen to be right near the fire fire station down here. So no, you're good. Again, there you go. Bye now. See you later.